0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A Trump-endorsed candidate wins the GOP gubernatorial primary in Maryland. He will likely face a Democratic candidate endorsed by Oprah Winfrey in November. Billionaire George Soros donates megabucks to Democrat Beto O'Rourke to help him try to unseat Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott. Millions of illegal immigrants are coming into the U.S. Some of them die as they cross the border, but how many? The White House is making it harder to get that information. Tens of millions of people are victims of human trafficking right now. The U.S. is planning to fight back by working with survivors. (music) Dan Cox, who was endorsed by former President Trump, cruises to a surprisingly easy victory in Maryland's GOP gubernatorial primary. His Republican opponent was backed by current Republican Governor Larry Hogan, who clashed with Trump often while he was in the White House. Cox vows that if he's elected, he will file bills that are pro-life and ones that ban mask and vaccine mandates and authorize a federal audit of the 2020 elections. He vigorously opposed Maryland's COVID-19 measures and challenged the certification of President Joe Biden's 2020 victory after observing mail-in ballot counts in Philadelphia. Cox is likely to face Democrat Wes Moore in November, Moore is an Afghanistan combat veteran, a best-selling author, and an investment banker backed by Oprah Winfrey. Democrat mega-donor George Soros is watching the Texas governor's race. He recently donated seven figures to help Democrat Beto O'Rourke unseat Republican Governor Greg Abbott. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more.
1: Billionaire George Soros has donated $1 million to Democrat Beto O'Rourke, who's running for governor in Texas. Records filed with the Texas Ethics Commission published Tuesday show Soros donated the sum in June to the Beto for Texas Political Action Committee. That's according to The Hill. O'Rourke's campaign confirmed the donation to the outlet. The candidate has benefited from laws in Texas that allow uncapped campaign donations. According to filings, O'Rourke has received a number of donations over six or seven figures. 91-year-old Soros frequently supports progressive causes. Soros handed over his donation to Democracy PAC. He set it up in 2019. It's his main political action committee to support Democrats. Matt Palumbo, author of The Man Behind the Curtain, Inside the Secret Network of George Soros, says the billionaire funds many left-wing groups through his open society foundations. Palumbo told Epic TV's Facts Matter program that Soros' foundation claims to promote democracy uh, and individualism. uh, But in reality, Palumbo says, it supports a more radical agenda. So how does the Texas governor race stand so far? According to a report by the University of Houston's Hobby School of Public Affairs, Republican Governor Greg Abbott leads O'Rourke by 5 percent among likely voters. The report says Abbott leads at 49 percent to O'Rourke's 44 percent, 5 percent are undecided, and 2 percent intend to vote for Libertarian Mark Tippetts. According to the report, more than 9 out of 10 voters for both Abbott and O'Rourke are certain about their vote choice, while 5 percent of Abbott voters and 8 percent of O'Rourke voters say they might change their mind between now and November. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: Bill de Blasio is dropping out of a congressional race in New York. The Democrat was involved in a campaign for a newly drawn district that includes parts of Manhattan and Brooklyn. The former two-term mayor of New York was facing stiff competition from a dozen others in a crowded candidate pool for the Democratic nomination. De Blasio posted a video where he admitted voters are looking for another option. His run for the seat came after a failed bid for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. He also considered running for governor of New York, but never launched a campaign to do so. Far more than a million illegal immigrants entered the United States so far this fiscal year. Their journey is dangerous and some of them die trying to come to the U.S. But how many pass away that we don't know about?
2: The Biden administration has ended a long-standing policy of releasing the number of illegal immigrants who died while crossing into the U.S. or soon after. Customs and Border Protection released the number of illegal immigrant deaths along the southern border for over 20 years, but stopped once the Biden administration took over the agency in 2020. The Epoch Times made multiple requests to CBP for the missing data from 2021 and 22, but the agency declined to provide the information. Previous CBP data showed that nearly 250 illegal immigrants died near the border during 2020, while 300 died in 2019. According to unpublished CBP data obtained by the Epic Times, this June alone, over 110 illegal immigrants died while crossing to the country or soon after. That number does not include the 53 who died in a tractor-trailer unit outside of San Antonio. So far, 1.7 million illegal immigrants crossed the southern border into the U.S. this fiscal year. It's important to note that CBP data doesn't include all migrant deaths. The bodies discovered by sheriffs, ranchers, hunters, and others are not included in CBP's number. Some illegal immigrants, for example, evade law enforcement at the border and walk north on ranch land for dozens of miles to evade border patrol checkpoints. Those who die while trying so are often not found by CBP, and this is not included in their data. Meanwhile, some Border Patrol agents are blaming the Biden administration for making their work harder. Four agents were falsely accused of whipping illegal immigrants while on horseback last year. The claim was repeated by President Biden and the media, but an internal investigation found that the agents didn't whip any migrants. The agents were still punished for yelling at the illegal aliens to stop and using the wrong radio frequency for communicating with the patrol station. Some say they were only punished to calm down the public after the president and media repeated the false whipping claims.
0: Nearly $3.7 million worth of drugs were found Monday hidden in a car in California. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol agents inspected the vehicle after an alert from a Border Patrol dog. Check out this photo of the canine surrounded by bundles of fentanyl pills found in the spare tire and gas tank. Agents stopped the car about 10 miles from the U.S.-Mexico border. The driver was arrested and turned over to the Drug Enforcement Agency along with more than 200 pounds of fentanyl. 25 million people are victims of human trafficking right now. The United States is planning to fight back against this violation of basic human rights.
3: The United States is committed to fighting it because trafficking destabilizes societies, it undermines economies, it harms workers, it enriches those who exploit them, it undercuts legitimate business, and most fundamentally, because it is so profoundly wrong.
0: Secretary Blinken released the 2022 trafficking in persons report that says 25 million people are currently victims of human trafficking. This year's report includes accounts for 188 countries and territories, including the United States. The report evaluates government efforts around the world to combat human trafficking. 18 countries were found to either have a state-sponsored policy of trafficking or didn't make significant efforts to combat trafficking. Blinken says that partnering with survivors of human trafficking is a major tool in the fight against it. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says as early as next week, the House will vote on the Senate's bill to boost semiconductor chip production in the U.S. The Chips Act for America is expected to pass the Senate as soon as this week. The bipartisan bill would offer about $52 billion in subsidies to give companies an incentive to boost domestic chip production. The bill is a slimmed-down version of the $250 billion one the Senate passed last year, but the House never took up. A global chip shortage over the past two years has impacted automakers, consumer tech and mobile phone companies, and defense system makers. The bill aims to address the chip shortage, lower costs to consumers, make the U.S. more competitive, and improve national security by making the U.S. less dependent on China. The Senate has confirmed the nomination of South Carolina jurist Michelle Childs to sit on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. Childs was recently under consideration for a slot on the U.S. Supreme Court, Senators, including some Republicans, voted 64 to 34 to approve her nomination. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted 17 to 5 earlier this year to advance her nomination. Childs has been a federal judge on South Carolina's District Court for more than a decade. She was on a short list of candidates President Biden was considering for the Supreme Court spot that Ketanji Brown Jackson filled. Child's supporters also included Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. He said he was certain that Child's would have been a reliable vote for the liberal bloc of the court, but he applauded her, quote, open mind and balance that all Americans are looking for. And coming up, Spanish radio hosts are jumping ship after a Soros-backed group bought the company they worked for. We hear from their new boss on why they switched. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. number of Spanish radio hosts are leaving a station after a group backed by a left-leaning political donor billionaire bought it. We hear from the head of the new station they switched to on why they made their move. Please welcome Jorge El Arizerieta, who is the president of Americano Media. Thanks for making the time today, Jorge.
4: Thank you for having us on. Appreciate what- it.
0: Yes, indeed. What can you tell us about the hosts who have left Radio Mambi to join Americano Media after the Mambi was bought by a Soros-backed group?
4: Well, this is a, an opportunity that uh, Americano Media had to acquire um, these uh, three very talented individuals uh, who, uh, two of those were somewhat with us already. They just came on full-time, which were Lourdes Ubieta uh, and Dania Alessandrino. And then we were able to bring on uh, Nelson uh, Rubio, who is a very, very, very popular uh, radio host show here in, uh, in Miami, Florida. So it was an opportunity, really, because these three individuals were not interested in remaining to be a part of this network uh, uh, if it was going to be owned by uh, George Soros. It's more of an ideological uh, matter. Uh, they were not uh, interested in that, in that opportunity. So it, it gave us an opportunity to, to have them come on over. So now, Jorge,
0: you said that the issue centers around ideology. Can you explain some of the specifics about their concerns?
4: So, at the end of the day, it was very well known and documented that the George Soros uh, group was acquiring these uh, 18 stations with a with a mission, and one of the clear missions was to silence Radio Mambi, which is a very uh, longstanding icon in this community. Uh, and what I mean by silence. Uh, Radio Mambi is it's a conservative station that has been, uh, again, well-known for decades. And um, the host that have been a part of this uh, station for and, and network for so long uh, immediately came out and said that they would not be purchased, bought by George Soros, that their convictions and their ideology and their, and their views uh, are, are not for sale. And uh, that's what gave us the opportunity to think through uh, well, let's uh, let's bring them over to Americana to ensure that their conservative views are not shut down and that they're they're maintained and uh, uh, you know and they can continue to to provide the great service that uh, that they provided for the community for so long. So that's what I mean by ideology. That's what I mean. It was an intention to shut them down and our intention to aid in ensuring that that voice those voices kept clearly uh, uh, on air.
0: And what are the hosts' views and how would they benefit the community?
4: So the host views are are, are again uh, they think, think of it as a conservative ideology when it comes to domestic and foreign policy, and uh, they have long long uh, been identified with uh, the causes of, as you can imagine, a free Cuba. You know, there are strong opposition to the uh, regimes in, in Nicaragua and the regimes specifically in Venezuela. So um, those are the views I'm referring to. Uh, that, that um, they, they, they will maintain here because our, our, our mission here at Americano is obviously a conservative point of view as it relates to both domestic and foreign uh, uh, policies.
0: Jorge L. Azurieta, president of Americano Media, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. A transgender inmate who impregnated two women in an all-female New Jersey prison has been transferred to a new facility. The 27-year-old is now at a male state prison. Demi Minor was moved from Edna Mahan Correctional Facility for Women to Garden State Youth Correctional Facility. Originally named Demetrius, Minor began transitioning after entering the prison system. Minor is serving a 30-year sentence for aggravated manslaughter and carjacking after stabbing the man who used to be his foster father to death. The case gained attention in April when the New Jersey Department of Corrections confirmed that Minor had consensual sexual relationships with two female inmates, causing them both to become pregnant. The 27-year-old confirmed the news at the time. He said all three were held in some form of solitary confinement after the pregnancies came to light. The Edna Mahan facility currently has a total of 12 male prisoners who identify as women. A Planned Parenthood clinic specifically for teens? That might soon be the case in California. And because of a California law, they can get all the services they want without parental consent. Here are the details.
5: Planned Parenthood is proposing to set up a clinic in a Los Angeles high school. According to the proposal between the abortion provider and Norwalk La Mirada Unified School District, abortions will not be performed at the site, but a range of other services would be provided to students. According to the proposal, Students could, for example, get STD treatment or even IUDs, and could also be referred to other clinics operated by Planned Parenthood where abortions could be performed. Attorney Ryan Heath spoke to Fox News on the topic. He pointed out that Planned Parenthood is now a leading provider of cross-sex hormones. According to Heath, there's nothing in the contract that would prevent Planned Parenthood from giving out those hormones. He went as far as to say that the district is trying to create transgender conversion camps. Under California law, all these services can be provided to minors without parental consent. The school district was scheduled to discuss the proposal on Monday until these protesters showed up. The footage you're seeing here was posted on Twitter by VPS Reports. The school district then issued a statement on Twitter saying they'll postpone the Planned Parenthood clinic discussion. The Board of Education has issued no further comments. It's not clear yet when the district will take up the proposal again. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: A 15-year-old boy was charged with murder in the fatal shooting of a pastor and leader of the United Methodist Church. The tragedy occurred during a carjacking in Memphis, Tennessee. The church says Atora Eason Williams was shot on Monday afternoon outside of her home. She was taken to a hospital where she died. Memphis police questioned three juveniles. They then charged a 15-year-old boy with first-degree murder, murder in the perpetration of a robbery, especially aggravated robbery, carjacking, and a weapons offense. A 16-year-old boy was charged with theft of property. A 17-year-old boy was released without charges. Video footage showed that the pastor was approached by two males while she was in her Chevy Malibu. Police say the teens pointed a gun at her and ordered her from the car. They say video shows Eason Williams was shot while one of the teens drove away in her vehicle. The National Park Service at Yellowstone National Park released video of the June 2022 flooding that caused severe damage to roads, water and wastewater systems, power lines, and other park infrastructure. Unprecedented amounts of rain caused flooding, rock slides, and mudslides in the park. The south and north loops of the park opened to the public in less than three weeks. The park also reopened approximately 93% of paved roads and 88% of Yellowstone's backcountry. Visitors to the park? can stay informed about what is open and closed by visiting the park website and social media pages for updates. Apple has agreed to pay $50 million to settle a class-action lawsuit over defective keyboards. The lawsuit centers on the butterfly keyboards on MacBook laptops. According to the complaint, the keyboard has sticky and unresponsive keys, and a tiny amount of dust or debris would make it difficult to type. Customers claim that Apple was aware of, but concealed the fact that the keyboards were prone to failure. Customers say the replacement keyboards provided by the company are equally problematic. A preliminary settlement was submitted to a federal court in California pending approval by a judge. It covers buyers of MacBook, MacBook Air, and most MacBook Pro models sold in seven U.S. states between 2015 and 2019. Attorneys expect customers who replace parts to receive up to nearly $400 in compensation. Apple denied wrongdoing when it agreed to the settlement. Natiera is recalling some of its organic freeze-dried blueberries because they could contain too much lead. The recall is for 1.2-ounce pouches that are labeled best used by December 2024 or January 2025. The pouches could have been purchased in stores or online. You can check the lot number on the bottom right of the pouch to see if it has been recalled. Lead poisoning is especially dangerous to children. It can cause learning disorders, developmental defects, and long term health problems. The company is offering refunds for the recalled products. A four legged Crime Stopper played a critical role in a New York City arrest Saturday. Here we have video of an NYPD special operations officer chasing a suspect down the street on a horse. The man allegedly robbed a sunglass vendor near Times Square. That's where the horse, named Samson, came in. The chase was captured on the officer's body camera. While Samson pursued the suspect, he was apprehended by other officers on the sidewalk. The chase was over less than 30 seconds after it began. The 34-year-old man is facing charges including robbery and possession of a weapon. He's set to appear in court Friday. The Navy's Blue Angels Flying Squadron has selected six new officers to join the team. They'll participate in the 2023 air show season. The new team members are replacing members who are leaving. The squadron is welcoming two F-A-18 Super Hornet pilots and a C-130J Super Hercules pilot. Also hired are an aviation maintenance officer, a flight surgeon, and an events coordinator. Also new to the team for 2023 is demonstration pilot Amanda Lee. The commanding officer and flight leader of the Blue Angels said there were an overwhelming number of applicants to the team this year. Each year, the selected finalists interview at the team's base in Pensacola, Florida during the Pensacola Beach Air Show. This year's air show took place July 6th to the 9th. The the new members will receive five months of rigorous training before the show season starts. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And coming up, Russian President Vladimir Putin takes his first trip outside former Soviet territory since the war started with a visit to Iran. He's seeking closer ties with the leadership of Turkey and Iran. And hundreds of fur businesses in the city of Kastoria, northern Greece, have been banned from exporting to Russia, which is its main market for furs. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. Russian President Vladimir Putin met Tuesday with Iranian leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei and Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan in Tehran. Putin is stressing closer ties with the two leaders in the face of western pressure over the war in Ukraine. It's Putin's first trip outside the former Soviet Union since Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. He had a face-to-face meeting with Turkey's leader to discuss Ukraine's Black Sea grain exports and the conflict in northern Syria. Putin's trip sends a strong message to the West about Moscow's plans for closer strategic ties with Iran, China, and India in the face of Western sanctions. His trip comes just days after President Biden visited Israel and Saudi Arabia. Putin, who turns 70 this year, has made few foreign trips in recent years due to the COVID-19 pandemic and then the Ukraine crisis. His last trip beyond the former Soviet Union was to China in February. Sanctions against Russia have left hundreds of fur businesses in the city of Kastoria in northern Greece unable to export to Russia, which is its main market for furs. Entities Andrew Thomas has more.
6: For decades, Antonis Deciosa's fur garment business supplied wealthy Russian buyers. In March, European Union sanctions against Russia shut down the business. With no domestic market, he sent his 23 employees home.
5: Our warehouses are full of fur pelts. We made purchases in 2021 for our 2022 collection, but they are all unsold. They are sitting in the warehouses. We are desperate. We don't know what to do.
6: He says this coat made from Russian sable costs $30,000 to produce. He urged the EU to exempt the industry from sanctions.
5: We have been in this profession for 40 years. We are hurting. They must help us, they must lift the embargo, they must set us free, or they can come take them and sell them themselves.
6: Kastoria is the heartland of a centuries old fur industry in Greece. Since the mid 1990s, the business model has been focused on wealthy Russian buyers. The sanctions also ban shops from selling to Russian tourists in Greece. Furrier Christos Papadopoulos has been in the business for 67 years. He stands in his silent workshop, where the rows of machines now sit idle. Large fans blow cold air to preserve stacks of fur pelts.
4: You
5: would come in here, and there was so much noise from all the sewing machines working away and all the people working in here. And now you see it yourselves. I don't have to say anything.
6: One of Papadopoulos' employees, who's been working with him for 24 years, has been sewing garments since she was 15 years old.
7: We all live from this. All the jobs are connected to the furs. If there is work in the fur industry, then the taxi driver has work, the hotel has work, the tavern has work. Everything depends on the furs. We all depend on it.
6: Fur garments are among Greece's top 10 exports, but they have been declining over the years. According to Greek data, exports to Russia amounted to more than $14 million last year, down from more than $55 million in 2017. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Cuba, a country short on cash, delivered some bad news to residents this week. The country says there is no end in sight to the blackouts disrupting their lives and the economy.
8: It's a hot July night in the town of Guanajay, about an hour outside Havana. The homes are dark, and a car's beams are the only thing illuminating the street, shining on residents trying to sleep on their porches to escape the punishing heat. There are no lights, no running fans, and no respite for Cubans suffering through chronic blackouts and sweltering weather. And there's no end in sight. Cuban Energy and Mining Minister Livan Arrante Cruz said that demand is exceeding current electrical capacity in the island nation.
2: The solution will not come immediately. In other words, it will be a result of a phased process to recover power generation capacities. It will take time and material resources. We will also need to import. Fires this year at two
8: generators, along with breakdowns at Cuba's largely obsolete power plants, dashed hopes of ending outages over the hot summer months and perhaps into next year. In Havana, the capital, one local complained about both soaring temperatures and the disruptive power cuts.
1: Yesterday, they cut it from 9 in the morning to 12 in the afternoon because of a breakdown. Then it was restored, but they cut it again from 4 in the afternoon until 8 at night. And today, when I woke up around 6 in the morning, it was already cut.
8: Cuba imports more than 50 percent of its fuel, mainly from Venezuela. Its power plants burn a mostly heavy, corrosive local crude. Just 5 percent of electricity comes from alternative sources.
0: Ahead, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is reportedly planning to visit Taiwan next month. While the news hasn't been confirmed yet, Beijing is making threats of a forceful response. Find out more right here on NTD News. China is asking the UN human rights chief to cover up reports of human rights abuses in Xinjiang. A Reuters report mentions a Chinese letter as evidence. Diplomats from the three countries that received the letter confirmed that this is true. UN High Commissioner Michelle Bachelet visited China in May. She promised to publish a human rights report on Xinjiang before she leaves office by the end of August. In June, China began circulating the letter to diplomats in Geneva, seeking their support in blocking the release of the report. Rights groups have been concerned about concentration camps and forced labor in China's Xinjiang region, but Beijing has vigorously denied the allegations. It also claims that Western countries are using human rights as an excuse to, quote, interfere... In China's internal affairs. The Chinese regime on Tuesday warned that it would take forceful measures if House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. That's after the Financial Times said she would go to the self-governed island
9: next month. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Now for news on the diplomacy front. Beijing is lashing out over a possible U.S. visit to Taiwan. Chinese officials say they will use resolute and strong measures should House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visit the island. China's strong response follows a report from Financial Times, citing anonymous sources. The outlet says Pelosi plans to visit Taiwan in August. If that happens, she would become the highest-ranking politician to visit the island in the last 25 years. We reached out to Pelosi's office for comment, but did not immediately receive a reply. Relations with Taiwan is a sensitive subject in U.S.-China relations. During a civil war, Taiwan's current government fled from mainland China, where the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, later took power. Despite that, Beijing sees Taiwan as part of its territory, even though the communist regime never ruled the island. Beijing has also threatened to take Taiwan by force. The U.S. does not have formal diplomatic relations with Taiwan, but Washington is required by law to provide the island with the means to defend itself. Recently, Beijing asked the U.S. to cancel its latest arms sale to Taiwan. The deal is worth over a hundred million dollars. Something to note here, Beijing maintains the world's biggest navy and Asia's biggest air force. The regime is also working to rapidly expand its military presence by boosting its nuclear arsenal, growing its control in the South China Sea and sending record numbers of fighter jets near Taiwan.
0: Some U.S. agencies are still buying Chinese-made drones. These departments include the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. Here are the details.
7: In a hearing last week, Senator Rob Portman raised questions about the issue with two officials, Brad Weigman, Deputy Assistant Attorney General for the National Security Division, and Samantha Vinograd, Acting Assistant Secretary for Law Enforcement Policy for Homeland Security.
3: So there's a report that last year uh, that the Secret Service purchased eight of DJI's drones. The FBI purchased 18 of them. So let me just ask you these questions. On, on the record, uh, start with Mr. Wiegman. Does the FBI currently purchase and use Chinese made drones, yes or no? We do. You do. Uh, Ms. Vinegrad, does DHS currently purchase and use Chinese made drones? DHS has prohibited the purchase of foreign made drones, small UAS, uh, absent uh, waivers in very specific circumstances. Okay. So this report uh, that I mentioned uh, said that the Secret Service had purchased eight of DJI drones you are saying that's inaccurate I'm saying that in with certain waivers very specific so my, waivers, my question to you is are you purchasing DJI drones or not yes or no with specific waivers DHS can purchase certain uh, are you made purchasing aircraft. DJI drones yes or no with certain waivers we are purchasing certain foreign-made aircraft so you are I can follow up with more specific details okay but the clear. answer is yes in a closed hearing I can provide more specific details sir okay
7: As for the Pentagon, it banned drone purchases from Chinese company DJI, but the drone maker was a major supplier for the American military before 2018. Chinese drones are also widely used by law enforcement departments across the U.S., including in New York City. The company DJI denied receiving money from the Chinese regime, but it's funded by state-backed investors. The issue has been setting off alarms in the U.S. for years, but the problem has continued. According to Financial Times, that's partly because two lobby groups have been working against the American Security Drone Act in Congress. If the bill is passed, it would ban the U.S. government from buying Chinese drones. The act was introduced in early 2021 by Senator
0: Rick Scott. South Korea's domestically developed fighter jet successfully completed its first test flight on Tuesday amid a push to replace aging military jets. That's in the face of nuclear and missile threats from neighboring North Korea. The next-generation aircraft is developed by Korea Aerospace Industries. The project was partially backed by Indonesia. It's designed to be a cheaper, less stealthy alternative to the U.S.-built F-35, on which South Korea relies. The country says a prototype of the jet dubbed KF-21 took off from an Air Force base in a southeastern city and flew for about 30 minutes. The new jet faces more testing until 2026, when mass production is set to begin. South Korea unveiled the first prototype of the KF-21 in April last year. It's hailing the aircraft as the future backbone of its Air Force and a step towards greater military independence for this U.S. ally in North Asia. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And coming up, the long-running UK Sheepdog Competition crowns a new winner. We'll hear what it takes to train a sheepdog and what qualities are needed to make a winner. And in Spain, the pandemic motivated many to adopt pets for companionship during extended lockdowns, but some fear that not all owners are prepared for the responsibilities. We'll have all that and more for you after the short break. Passengers aboard a train between Paris and Brussels complained that they were stuck for hours in the heat on Tuesday. Vincent Bren, who was on board, posted a video to his social media account showing fellow passengers trying to open the door. He told Reuters the train was stuck for four hours near St. Denis, just outside Paris. Local media reported that the delay was due to a malfunction on the train and that the air conditioning was not working during the unforeseen stop. Farmers in drought-hit France are worrying that crop yields will fall by 50% this year. In Alpes-du-Haute-Provence, the sunflowers are dry and large areas of lavender are dying.
1: This
6: 120-acre farm 75 miles east of Marseille, France, grows sunflowers and food for livestock. Florian Jean is a sixth-generation owner. He says this year's harvest is looking bleak, with almost half the usual yield set to be lost.
5: Sunflowers are affected because it is a plant which is sown in spring, and so their raising and sowing have been difficult, and to have sunflowers like this, we had to do two rounds of watering, and we may need two more before the harvest, when normally we do one round of watering. So we're multiplying the water intake by three or four.
6: Just a few miles away, this 250-acre farm grows vegetables and corn for livestock. The owner says he's doing his best to irrigate the land, but it's
10: expensive. The problem
5: is the areas where there has not been any water. When there is no water, it is a disaster because there is a very small yield for cereals. Cereals which have not been irrigated have a yield which is likely to be divided by three. And we also have perfume crops, lavender. The lavender harvest is
10: disastrous.
6: France is the largest producer of lavender in the world. Farmers say the extreme heat this year will see harvest fall by half. Farmer Charles Aubrey says this year's crop is one of the worst he can remember.
5: Drought really is something this year which is very exceptional. We have had new harvesting techniques for 30 years, and it is the worst year in 30 years, except the years with hail. One out of 10 years we have hail. But this year, it is really the drought which penalizes. We're going to have half the harvest.
6: France has been hit by heat waves this year, with more hot weather predicted in the coming weeks. If this weather becomes the norm, sunflower and lavender farmers will face a battle to grow viable crops. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: The sheepdog, a descendant of the wolf, forms a strong relationship with its handler. The first recorded sheepdog trials were held in 1873 in North Wales, and this year, the trials were held at the Great Yorkshire Show for the first time. At the show, Peter Morgan, representing Ireland, won the senior title. Entity's Jane Worrell caught up with him to find out what makes a good sheepdog.
11: You get a great love for them. You'll realize that you're taking that pup out more than the rest of them. He gets to the trial field and starts to please you and then he gets a win or two and the bond becomes, uh, it's hard to explain. Uh, You just, you have an awful time for your dog after that when he becomes successful. Yeah, then you see them getting old and, uh, you know, it's coming to the end of their career. Peter
12: Morgan and his dog Mossy from County Down in Ireland won the Senior Sheepdog Trials in Yorkshire. Training lots of sheepdogs in the last 20 years has been a process of learning.
11: You need a nice nature to start off with. They're not huffing if they're doing anything wrong and they're not over excitable either. leather. A nice nature is an easier job to train. Some of them you can train in six to eight months and stronger natures, it could take maybe 18 months, maybe two years. Yeah, they're all different. Yeah, no two dogs are the same.
12: The training is based on four basic commands. Go to the right, the left, lie down and come forward. The chair of the International Sheepdog Society says a good sheepdog needs to exert dominance over the sheep without being aggressive.
10: The the dog, naturally, when it's young, it wants to round up the sheep and bring them again. We're going back to the wolf ancestry. It wants to round up the sheep, bring them towards you, and with the pack mentality of the wolf, it then wants to single out the weakest one and kill it. So early in the relationship, you have to get the dog to understand rounding them up, bringing them to you is what you want, but you don't want the killing part of it. (laughs) That's part that you have to discourage the dog from doing. But once you get the idea instilled in them, they just love to work sheep. what they live for. They work all day, they run all day, all weathers, they don't care whether it's raining, hail or snow or what it is, they just love to work and that's what makes a good sheepdog.
12: The dogs here are used to navigating larger areas but even at the show they have deep concentration.
10: The show environment is quite an artificial environment for them but they're performing very well. And a well-trained dog, it's so tuned in to it, its uh, work that it's trying to do. It doesn't really hear the crowds and they're not easily distracted. If you're watching today at the show you'll see that they're completely committed to
11: working the sheep. And We have sheep on the Moor Mountains uh, and that's what got me started in trial. And you You're needing dogs for big days gatherings and then tried to chance the sheepdog trials, yeah. So I got invited to this event because I won the national last year and my son's also in the uh, young handlers competition here.
12: Morgan won the senior title this year and his son was second in the young handlers competition. The next sheepdog event, the International Sheepdog Trials, will be held in Castle Howard in September. Jane Worrell, NGD News.
0: During Spain's long pandemic lockdowns, many in the country made the decision to become pet owners, but animal lovers are concerned that some have not fully considered the responsibilities that come with owning a pet.
6: Dozens of dogs and their owners are taking walks in a park. It's a chance to socialize for both canines and their owners. Rogelio Gonzalez bought Shadow in 2020. He says the two-year-old Siberian Husky helped him a lot during the long months of lockdown.
5: I got him because I was able to dedicate time to him, to walk him and everything else. It also helped me a lot staying at home during the lockdown. We were all isolated and couldn't meet other people. It helped me with my mental health, to be able to share time with him.
6: A pet owner must decide whether to buy an animal from a breeder or adopt one from a shelter. The Center for Animal Shelter, CAAB, is Barcelona's biggest pet safe haven. Anna Ortanoves is head of CAAB. She says we have a lot to learn from abandoned dogs.
12: They don't know about pandemics. We were confined during three months, but some dogs here have been confined for as long as eight years. We learned a lot from what they taught us about their confinement.
13: Psychologist
6: Ramon Miralpis says pet ownership gives people a chance to care for another creature.
5: TAKING CARE OF SOMETHING THAT IS ALIVE IN A PARTICULAR WAY, IT'S DIFFERENT THAN WITH HUMAN BEINGS, TAKING CARE OF SOMEBODY WHO DEPENDS ON THE CARER, BUT SOMEBODY OVER WHICH THE CARER HAS CONTROL.
6: PAUL LOPEZ IS A DOG TRAINER. HE WORRIES THAT MANY PEOPLE DON'T fully UNDERSTAND THE COMPLEXITIES AND RESPONSIBILITIES OF CARING FOR A PET.
5: People often aren't aware of what it means to own a pet and the responsibilities attached to it. They think it's like having a doll at home, and they can become oblivious of what a dog wants.
6: He says potential owners need to consider whether they have what it takes to raise and care for a pet before they get one. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Up next, the life-size whale sculpture inside of New York City's American Museum of Natural History gets vacuumed. A 21,000-pound sculpture hangs from the ceiling. We'll have all that and more for you in just a minute. The iconic blue whale at New York City's American Museum of Natural History is undergoing a cleaning. The life-size whale statue undergoes some form of cleaning every few months.
5: He
6: is vacuuming the surface of the whale to remove the layer of dust that's built up over time. And... um, it's a, it's a really big model. It's a 94-foot-long model, which is actual size for a blue whale. And um, he's just giving it a cleaning so it looks its best.
5: It, it's a little disorienting once you get above 20 feet. Um, but it's, it's also a lot of fun. Um, since the whale is, is such a strange, amorphous shape, one is often disoriented when, when maneuvering around, in and around the area.
0: The entire body of the 94-foot-long whale undergoes a dusting every nine months, and then every six months, the face and the head get dusted. The cleaning tools are an industrial vacuum with a HEPA filter and a long-handled brush. A round brush is used in countered areas like the blowhole, while a flat brush is used over the other parts. The whole job takes a day and a half. The museum says the whale was first installed in 1969 and is the largest model of the largest animal that has ever lived on Earth. The blue whale is made of fiberglass and polyurethane and weighs 21,000 pounds. The whale is suspended by a large steel pipe connecting the skeleton to the ceiling. European astronomers have found a mysterious type of black hole outside the Milky Way for the first time. It's called a dormant stellar mass black hole and it was discovered in a neighboring galaxy. The black hole is actually the small spot you see. The big blue mass is a star with about 25 times the sun's mass that the black hole is orbiting. One of the things that makes these black holes different from the traditional type is they don't emit high levels of x-ray radiation. That makes them difficult to detect. Scientists had to make a series of calculations from observations made by the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope to find it. That doesn't mean it's small or rare. This black hole has at least nine times the mass of our sun, and dormant stellar mass black holes like it are thought to be fairly common. So you believe you've done all the research and are prepared for your upcoming replacement surgery. It's a big deal, and you want to get it right, so let's go over a few basics again. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
13: Are you listed among the 1 million Americans to have a total hip or knee replacement surgery this year? If so, Dr. Matthew Abdel suggests a few lifestyle changes in that pre-surgery phase. Of course, you've been in pain for a long time and you'll want to get this operation right, so hopefully with a few tips it will benefit your overall health. Losing weight safely through diet and exercise needs to be your first priority. The body mass index, that's your body's weight-to-height ratio, has a target. Dr. Abdel says it should be less than 40. He specializes in knee replacements at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. He says that if you can reach 25 to 30, that's even better. Weight loss of, say, 20 pounds is not the only thing to concentrate on. Dr. Abdel has more tips. At least six weeks prior, stop using all nicotine products, including chewing tobacco and cigars. After surgery, do not go back to these products. Also, be sure to get your surgeon's advice about pain relief during this time. If you are a diabetic, it's important to have it under adequate control. So this means your hemoglobin blood test should be less than 7.5. Attention to blood sugar is paramount around the time of your surgery too. Getting back to weight loss, it's troublesome for many, so some patients attempt bariatric surgery first – that's a gastric bypass or weight loss treatment before their joint replacement. Dr. Abdel and his colleagues saw more complications with bariatric intervention. His research team found these patients had more infection and instability. They think this might be due to a lack of exercise and other serious health problems. Diabetes and heart disease affect any post-surgery recovery. Healthy patients choosing only the replacement surgery had better outcomes. All the very best and may you have a new lease on life.
0: An Indian diamond company has won a glittering Guinness world record title. That's for the most diamonds set in one single ring. The company, known as SWA, designed the ring in the shape of a pink oyster mushroom. It consists of 41 unique mushroom petals. Over 24,000 natural diamonds are set on each side of the petals. The shape is supported by a circular brand and partially set with diamonds. The company describes the process of designing the one-of-a-kind ring. The first step was to create a prototype of the ring using a plastic mold. Then it was recreated digitally, a process that took the team three months. The mold was made by 3D printing and finally filled with liquid gold. The ring was created to raise the brand's profile. The company explains that the mushroom shape represents immortality and longevity. The ring was thus named Ami, meaning immortality in Sanskrit. It's worth about $95,000. And the persecution of Falun Gong or Falun Dafa, a spiritual meditation practice, is ongoing in China. Today marks the 23rd year of the persecution by the Chinese Communist Party. Falun Gong adherents from around the United States will gather on July 21st at the nation's capital to remember the persecution and raise awareness of it. Beginning at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, Epic TV and NTD will live stream this event, which starts with a rally to end the persecution, followed by a parade down the Washington National Mall. Thank you so much for joining our show today. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.